Eagles Entertainment. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right. Another day, and the Eagles are back on the winning track as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 426. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell about what we saw on film from the Eagles in their Week 11 win over the Indianapolis Colts. What stood out on both sides of the football? There's a lot to hit on with both the offense and the defense. I know Greg's excited. He told me uh, earlier on Monday that he has got pages and pages of notes from this game. We're going to discuss all of it, as well as dip our toe into our analysis for the game against the Green Bay Packers Sunday night football prime time next week in week 12 so we'll hit on that as well here in today's show before we get there a couple things I want to make sure we hit on number one as always make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts if you've got a question about this Eagles team or if you've got uh, any thoughts whatsoever about the season or if you just want to tell us how much you enjoy the show go leave us a comment in the comment section over wherever you listen to the show and it just helps uh, give us a little bit of support as we are gearing up now for the stretch run of this regular season makes the podcast more available to others that are looking for Eagles podcasts. Also, just a piece of content to go check out. I played a clip of it in last week's show, but my sit-down with Isaac Sayamala, we did a film breakdown. It ended up being like a 10-and-a-half-minute piece, almost 11 minutes, of he and I breaking down uh, breaking down some tape from this season. We talked about his background, his football family that he comes from, his relationship with Jeff Stoutland, with Jason Kelsey, with Lane Johnson, a bunch of his teammates. He broke down some tape, both run game and pass game. So some really good stuff from Isaac Sayamala. If you enjoy that kind of content, Content, which I'm assuming you do if you listen to this podcast. I think you would enjoy it. Go check it out. It's Tape Study. Myself, Isaac Sayamalo, I actually tweeted out the link uh, a couple times on Monday, so you can go check that out uh, wherever you get your Eagles content. That said, uh, let's get into this week's Chalk Talk. It's time now to catch up with Greg Cosell. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, time to welcome in my friend Greg Cosell for some chalk talk here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. And Greg, uh, Eagles back on the winning track, like I said at the top of the show, and uh, a lot to come through uh, from this game. It was a it was a fun one. And when you and I talked uh, earlier today on the phone, you you were almost dare I say giddy uh, wow. going through your notes and just saying that you know what there were a, there was a lot to write about, a lot there to was. take notes from from this game. You know, I've been doing this a long time, and and you have too actually, but I am a year or two older than you are, friend. Couple, yeah, just just a year or two, yeah, right. And, you know, not every game is a Picasso. No. It's not. Not in this league. And you know what? You have to win those kinds of games if you want to be a good team. You know, it was a game they could have easily lost. I mean, look, after that long pass from uh, Matt Ryan to Paris Campbell that got down to uh, inside the five, if they score a touchdown there, we're having probably a totally different conversation this evening. Greg, there was a, an interesting stat that I saw, and this was from NFL Media Research, a, a packet that I get every week for the game, and it was it was really interesting. It was just talking about uh, teams that start 8-0 and what happens after they, right. they have that first loss. And uh, in NFL history, I'm pulling the stat up now, so bear with me as I set this up. Uh, in NFL history, of all the teams that have started 8-0 uh, or better, and then they uh, get their first loss, when that team goes on the road the next week, they were a combined 3-10 and in those games. And uh, the, last t- the, the Tennessee Titans in 08 were the last team to do it. Before that, the last team to go on the road and win was the 91 Washington football wow. team. Uh, so in terms of just like um, – 
you know, things were kind of stacked against them from a, like a sure. historical standpoint. And I, I could see that, right? It's like, okay, hey, you, you, you get off to this hot start. You've got your fir- you get your first loss, and now we got to go on the road. And it's a short, you know, in the Eagles' case, it's a shorter week. I can see, like, all right, maybe and, you're not going to get your best effort, and the Eagles were able to overcome that here in this game. And I would say, for the most part, with very few exceptions, as we look back over history, that pretty much even really good teams have lulls in in games. It's just the way it goes. I it's, remember last year, people worried about the the LA Rams going into the uh, going into the super or into the playoffs. I right. remember the year. Honestly, the Eagles the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl going at the back end of the season uh, with the quarterback change. Right. Oh, what, is, what is this team going to look like? Yeah, sure. The same thing happens every single year. No, so it was. Therefore, in just watching the game, maybe I watched it because obviously I knew what happened. Yep. Um, I just watched it with a di- little different eye. And I thought there were still a lot of really good things. Now, obviously, you want to score more than 17 points. Yes. We all know that. You know, th- that's a given. But I thought they did some good things on both sides of the ball. And I thought certain players stood out. All right. Well, let's let's go on offense. Who was the guy that stood out to you most uh, when you watched the offensive film? You know, I would say ultimately you have to put this on Jalen Hurts because while you wouldn't say it was his best performance of the year from snap one through whatever snap it was, yeah. that number snap. I think when you're struggling as an offense, that's when you want your quarterback to be able to make a few critical plays. Mm. You know, maybe he's not consistent snap after snap after snap after snap. But you want your quarterback to be able to rise above whatever's going on because clearly they were the offense didn't have that typical feel to it. The run game never quite developed the continuity we've seen in earlier games. Got some well, penalties. Right, uh, yep. right. Although they did run the ball on that final touchdown drive. I yep. think they had eight nine or nine consecutive runs. runs. Nine yes. straight runs after the defensive PI uh, against Miles Sanders. That is correct. Yep. Yes, I, it was nine. I, and I made a note of that. Um so they did run the ball, but throughout the game, they didn't have that same continuity and stability with the run game. Yep. There were a few plays in the pass game, but you didn't see, you know, that many where you went, wow, they're really throwing the ball really well. You know, so it was the kind of game where when you get into those critical moments, which of course tend to be later in games as opposed to earlier in games, you want your quarterback to be able to make those plays. And I think we saw that from Jalen Hurts in this game. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing is just kind of going back and watching the film. Um, you know, again, to your point, was it Jalen's best game? No, there were plays where you know he dropped his eyes, didn't he handle did. pressure the way that you he would did like. in this game. There, there were some things yep. where like all right, like that that could have been better. But also, uh, he made some really impressive throws in this game in the drop back pass game. He, yep. he did a great job uh, as a runner. That twenty three yard scramble was a, was, a great yep, scramble. Yep. Uh, you know, obviously what he did in the design run game and yep. the option run game were big time. Obviously the the uh, lead draw for a touchdown to, to seal the win on the on the final drive. So and, there was plenty to like about what Jalen brought to the table. And just Sunday. just it's funny. I made a specific note on that twenty three yard scramble because I really liked that play because two points and again this was one of those games where as I was watching my brain was all over the place. So the same things happening now as yes. we're talking. Yes. You know, but you're Which right. Fine. This was a game where he did drop his eyes yep. and maybe it's it's good because they can do a reset. Yep. You know, they can do a reset this week and say, hey, you know, let's get back to being what you were when he was playing at a higher level, snap in and snap out. Yep. You know, so that's a good thing. But I wanted to mention that scramble. You mentioned it, and, and it just struck me with my notes because I I really liked that concept. It was a four-strong concept, and, and the if I'm not mistaken— Explain four-strong real quick. Four-strong means that there were four routes— to one side of the field. Yep. So a really okay. heavy flood. To a one heavy side of the flood field. to one side. Four receivers. Yep. And the Colts, I believe, were in cover four. And they took away every 
throw. They matched it well. They matched it beautifully. And he really, truly had no throw. I've been doing this a long time where I've seen quarterbacks leave the pocket too many times I can count where there were throws to be made. Yep. You know, when you watch games on TV, the announcer automatically says, oh, it's coverage. And and 90% of the time, that's not true when I watch the tape. This time it was true. Yeah. The defense took everything away and he had to leave the pocket and he made a phenomenal run. Yeah, and that's what you're looking for. That's that extra dimension yep. uh, that a quarterback like him can bring and he did an outstanding job with that in this game and there were also a number of designed runs. That's the thing. Yep. Like, Yeah, they had that, that QB draw for a touchdown late, but they ran QB draw like four times I know, uh, in I know, this game. And I know. Some of them were, were lead draws uh, with a running back in the back. <laughs> yep. Some of them were out of empty. Uh, you know, we saw, obviously, the read option element as well. We saw some counter read. We saw a handful of those plays uh, mixed in. But uh, Jalen's uh, X factor, what he does with his legs, was a huge part of it. Right, and I think that's one thing you always know you can fall back on when you feel as if your offense does not have the continuity that you'd ideally like it to have. Yep. You know that that's an element that you can use because it, it puts a certain stress and stress and pressure on the defense yeah. and it was very effective in this game including of course the uh, the winning touchdown yeah and I know just going back obviously that was the winning touchdown but the uh, the touchdown before that I know was one that really stood out to you as well the touchdown oh. pass from Jalen to Quez Watkins yeah I, I love that play I absolutely love that play because see to me when one of the great things about watching the coaching tape from play one through play 70 whatever it is is you get a feel for not only what the offense is doing and trying to do but what the defense is doing and trying to do and the Colts had been a team that had played a good amount of man coverage this year up until this game, yep. probably more than most people might think when they think of the Colts and Gus Bradley because yep. they think of Gus Bradley cover three. But he's kind of evolved and he's played more man. But in this game, they even played more man than their average leading up to this game. Yep. And the Eagles took note of that. So you get to early in the fourth quarter and you get just outside the red zone. And I just love this play because... It was a play they'd run before. Every team, by the way, has this in their playbook. It's not unique to the Eagles. Of course. In many ways, you can call it cross-country dagger. You, you know, it, it's a play you run against a single high safety. Now, it can work against cover three. You might throw it to a different receiver. You, it can work against cover one, which this was. And that's why they put Watkins in the slot, because they anticipated and got cover one based on what they had gotten all game. And as good a slot corner as Kenny Moore is... He's playing with outside leverage because he knows he has a safety, a post safety in the middle. And Watkins was there intentionally because yep. he's the fastest Eagles receiver and he can run away from man coverage. And I just, I probably watched that play just because I enjoyed watching it 15 times with my remote because I just thought it was great play calling, understanding what the defense was doing as the game progressed. Yeah, and so, you know, understanding, hey, this is, this is what we're getting. And look, uh, even if it's not, Cover one, which the if Colts it was zone, they still had an answer. If it was cover three, which the, the, you know, the right. we know that the Colts like to play right. like cover three. If that's cover three, that's going to work as well. Right. Well, the, a couple weeks ago, the the Eagles scored a touchdown with AJ Brown against the Texans down in the red zone, very similar part of the field against cover three, and AJ Brown was wide open for a touchdown. And, and Brown was play. the slot receiver there because the Texans are high percentage zone, yep. and you didn't necessarily need the speed to run away from someone yep. because as as great as Brown is, and he's terrific. He doesn't have the same kind of straight line speed as Watkins. Of course, and that was a big part right. of uh, you know why right. that play it has so much success in the NFL is uh, its versatility against a multitude. Of I, I also love the uh, the first play of their second possession, which was Brown twenty nine yards. Yes, because see the key to for me to that that play again they were playing man, 
but was the nasty split by Brown. Mm. Because what happens when you have a nasty split by a wide receiver? Nasty is, split meaning a, he's, he's so close to the formation. Yep, yep, he's right. very close to the formation. Because what happens with corners playing man 99.9% of the time versus that kind of extreme nasty split is they play with width and depth. So, so when you run across... Hard outside leverage right, and playing off coverage. Right. So when you run across the field, by the very nature of how they're lined up, they're trailing you. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, and look also on that throw. Uh, I thought Jalen that was a, a firm touch throw. Uh, you had to, to get it over a linebacker. You had to get it over Zaire Franklin, yeah. uh, but with enough pace and placement right. that that J- AJ could have yards after catch. Right. If he puts too much air under that, AJ's got to wait for it, and now he doesn't. He's not able to hit the sideline running. Now uh, with the way that Jalen placed that, I mean that was right. perfect. It was and, exactly and your phrase for. is exactly right. Ron Jaworski used to talk to me about that all the time when I started working with him. You know. 25 years ago, firm touch. Yep. That's exactly what you're looking for. You're not throwing a strike because then you hit the linebacker yep. and you can't lob it because then Brown would catch it out of bounds. Yeah. So it's a firm touch throw. There have been a handful of those this season where I'm like, I don't know that Jalen had that in his toolbox before. Right. We've known that, hey, he could always throw that fastball. Uh, there have been questions in the past about him working the middle of the field, but I think uh, obviously that throw, but there was the um, the, the touchdown pass to Zach Paschal uh, a couple weeks ago against the Pittsburgh Steelers on that little fake screen where they leave yeah. Out, yeah. uh, down the sideline. That was a firm touch pass. If he puts uh, any more air under that, the safety's getting the safety over gets, and Zach yeah, Pascal's yeah. getting hit. Uh, so I think that just the, that the, that kind of pass, right. that's new for Jalen this year as well. Yeah, and, and so that play, I really enjoyed that play as well. And, you know, we all have plays that we watch where, you know, you just watch them over and over again because yeah. you, you like them for whatever reason. Sure, you know. uh, and I think that uh, <clears throat> there were a handful of those kind of right. throws uh, in this game that just kind of just stood out from that standpoint. And, uh, yeah, it was it was a good game uh, from a, when you look at the way that Jalen played. Uh, some plays he'd love to have back, but yeah. uh, certainly I, I just want to mention one more because I think, and this is more of a spot throw, but still it's not easy. When he hit um, Devonta Smith for 24 yards on the deep comeback, Carl, yeah, you sure. know, that's a spot throw. So I want people to understand that, you know, that's worked on based on the depth of the receiver. You know, you're not waiting for him. Yep. You know, you work on it. Again, referring to Jaws because I learned so much from him about the pass game. Jaws would always say, that's the kind of throw I can make blindfolded because you're throwing to a spot yep. based on the depth of your drop and where the receiver's going to be. Yep. But still, it was really well executed. Yeah, they, they went and, to and it allowed Smith to turn and run after catch. Yep, they, they yeah. went to him a couple times in a row. Oh, uh, they were know, working on, uh, on the corner. On Brandon Face. Un, they just gone in. Rodgers yeah, had just yeah, gotten yeah. hurt. Uh, so they face yeah. him, goes in. The, and then that was on Rodgers, that 24-yarder, but he then hurt. he got hurt. Yep. And then Face came in, and they kept going back to him. That's a good call. Yeah. Um, Anything else uh, offensively? I guess the, the one interesting thing, you know, just all right. What were they? What were they going to do without uh, Dallas Goddard? Uh, it seemed like to me like you know, Jack Stoll uh, got a majority of the, yeah. those kind of looks. Although they played a ton of eleven. A lot, yeah, plenty of eleven. Uh, there and the Colts played of, nickel on every snap. They did. Yeah, uh, yeah, they weren't going to match. Uh, no, no, from a base personnel standpoint. No. Um, and but, I think they'll get better as the weeks go on. You know. It's it's easy now to say, oh, they really missed Dallas Goddard. It's a feeling well, out process. Well, of course they're going to miss like Dallas Goddard. He's a top five tight end in the league. Yep. So, of course, they're going to miss him. But you have to play games to figure out, you know, running through it in practice during the week is not the same as then getting into the game and seeing how it all plays out. Sure. Well, let's go over the other side. Yeah. Uh, I I thought <clears throat> Craig, was... I don't know what's – like, yeah. there, there have been times where we've started these conversations yeah. and I say, like, right, who's the guy that stood out most to you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know where to begin because I thought so many players in this defense would say, well, like, oh, this guy had a really good game. I think you have to begin with the idea that that they signed two guys during the week. Yeah, we can start there. So let's start there because Joseph played 26 snaps and all of them were in the five-man D-line base yep. front. Nose, nose tackle straight up. And I thought he played at a really high level. Yeah, he looked really good. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm just being honest. I, he played better than Jordan Davis played, mm. in, to me, in any of the games Davis has played. Mm. Um, and then Sue played 17 snaps. 11 of them were in the five-man D-line base front, yep. and six were in the 4-2 nickel front. Yep, typically playing over the guard, right. played left side and right, right side. Right, right. Yep. And I thought both guys, I mean, Joseph I thought was great. Sue had some really good snaps, really good snaps. So uh, this is going to be a really, uh, this is going to be fascinating, Fran, going forward with those two guys now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, first of all, Greg, can you can you think back on your career? You know, you've watched, like you said, you're earlier. You're a couple years older than me. Um, <coughs> uh, just a couple. A defense, yeah, let's just yes, uh, a defensive line rotation that consisted of the talent of Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave. Uh, you factor in a healthy Jordan Davis. You throw in a Dominican Sue and uh, Linval Joseph, like and Milton Williams. Yeah, and, and by the way, Milton Williams Milton had some Williams really good flashing. snaps in this yeah, game he too. Had a good sack. He had, some uh, he had a great there. play where he did an, an arm over swim move on yeah. Nelson to stop a running play because because yeah. in the second half Taylor had 11 for 20 yep. and they just shut him right down. Yeah, it's just a it's a the amount of depth they have at that position is outstanding. And, and I thought Josh Sweat and again I don't care how many sacks he he gets yep. because they ask him to play a lot of four eye inside. Yep. Um, I, I just think he shows up every single week whether yep. whether he gets whether he's on the stat sheet or not. Yep. You notice Josh Sweat. So let me I want to bring that up because. You know, we we've talked about the like the the different techniques and the multiple fronts. Right. I think one thing that stood out to me watching the defensive film in this game was that the Eagles did a really good job of mixing up their personnel groupings with their fronts. It yes. wasn't just hey, they have this four down front and they have this five down front, and when they are in their five down front, this is who is on the field. It's going to be Linval Joseph, and right. this, this is where they're going to play. They came out often with what you would say is that four down package, right? So uh, well, they also Fletcher put Cox white on on, on on exactly the, on the, the edge on the ball. Yep. Which was technically in their four-two personnel, but it was a different five-man front. It was their five. It was a five-man right. front, right. so that it was right. that, still that that, that five-down the line of scrimmage front, right. but with different personnel groupings. Correct. So if you were the offense breaking the huddle or approaching, coming off the sideline, and you see, oh, they're in uh, regular four-two, you know, four-two nickel. Right. All right, this is this is what we're going to run here. Right. And then they come out and they line up differently. Now your co- your coverage palette changes. All the different <sighs> things you do from a technique standpoint change, and you're just kind of keeping the offense guessing. We've been talking this. About about this for a couple weeks, but uh, or for a few weeks really. I remember going back uh, week two. That was one of my big takeaways against the Vikings. Right. Was they did that early on in that game. Um, but I thought it really stood out here in this one, and I thought that that kept. Uh, <coughs> well, they've off shown balance. throughout the year White as an on the ball edge player, but they did it. I thought again without charting. Yes, I didn't look at the number. Yeah, it seemed like they it, they did it more in this Decent game. Did it seem game. like that to you? I thought so. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, so you saw plenty of that. And I think White and Edwards are playing really well. T.J. Edwards has been so lights yeah. out this last. Yeah. The last couple of months, he's been awesome. And he showed tremendous range. You know, he made one play, I think it was a, a swing to Taylor for minus four. Yep. Where yeah, he just them, yeah. he just knew it was happening literally at the snap of the ball, he knew it. Yeah. I mean, I mean you're, his you're, key in diagnose is high level. A plus. Yeah. A plus. And that makes him a faster player than Much faster. what you would, what right. you would think. Yes. Right. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I, I, there was downhill. There, I think it was like the sixth play of the game. Uh, it was red zone. Uh, the, the Indianapolis had moved the ball. It was after the one long run from Taylor. Uh, so it was high red zone. And the uh, it was a, I believe it was a tackle power play. There was some kind of pulling. It was Quentin Nelson was pulling play side. Right. TJ Edwards comes downhill, 
and smacked yeah, no, Quentin no. Nelson in yep. line of scrimmage. And the, the defensive yep. line did an outstanding job. It was a great fit all around. And Josh Sweat came back from the backside in pursuit and got him down behind the line of scrimmage. It was the second and one that brought up third and one. Uh, and that's the thing is like TJ Edwards just he just checks so many boxes. There were a number of coverage plays in this game where he forced Matt Ryan to hold on to the football. A big part of why Brandon or Hassan Reddick was able to get home was because yeah, of of uh, TJ and Kaiser in coverage. I, those guys have been really really good. Yeah, I made a, a couple of notes there um, regarding that. Um, oh, th- another play that really stood out to me, the Joseph Seuss split sack to start the Colts' second, third quarter possession. To me, that was the result of Epps reading the crossword pipe Pittman and just jumping it. You know, again, that's film study because yep. how when, – when obviously I've watched probably every Colts offensive game. I know yep. you studied them leading up to this yep. game. How many times do they like to throw those inbreakers to the yep. slot or yep. even to the outside receiver? Yep. And Epps just jumped it. And Ryan couldn't make the throw. And, and, then, the, and who do you remember the second read on that play? There was the shallow uh, coming behind it. Right, and right. Brandon Graham was in the throwing window. They right, dropped Brandon right. Graham right into the passing lane, right. and he had nowhere to go. But with I mean, that, that to me is just a great example of, and that's film study. Yeah. I mean, and Epps has done that a lot this year. I remember he would. Didn't he do it last week where he jumped across her? He, he's done that a lot this yes. year. He's a, he really has. Yeah. has been, that, and I was actually – so one of, one thing yeah. I usually have been trying to do a better job of this year is just like my note-taking for right, previous right. games. And like, well, I'm uh, a little nuts with my notes, as yes, you know. Yes, you are. Of, yeah, of course, yeah. You're a little nuts. Put the period there. Right, 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 right. Uh, right. But the, the three big takeaways for me, and one of the, my three big takeaways from watching the defense, just the, the interior right up the spine of the Eagles defense, D-tackle, yep. linebacker, safety – Outstanding in this yeah. game on Sunday. I thought no, all I, of them yeah. were really, really good. And um, unfortunately, the player who I guess who's uh, not getting the coaching staff excited is Kayvon Wallace because they only played two snaps of dime and it was Blankenship and not Kayvon Wallace. Mm. And he was obviously active because he played special teams. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's so, a uh, good point. Um, yeah. so going back real quick. Um, to uh, the for the defensive line. Yeah. Um, one other thing we saw too in talking about the the mixing up of fronts. Fletcher Cox playing over the nose. Uh, yes, at, at we yes. saw that more I, I made a note of that as well. Uh, yeah, I actually kind of like that because I think with Fletcher. Um, He's been really good against the run this year, and I think that putting him over the nose, over the center, right. as the nose tackle, allows Hargrave to keep, stay right. there at three. I kind of like that as an adjustment here for this defense as yeah, well. No, also, they, more early down blitzes uh, in this game. I mean, the bottom line is this defense has been playing at a really high level. And, you know, it's so funny. when And then when a bad play is made, and you know how it is with social media, you know, Taylor ran for 28 yards, and they were in a game four- was over. <laughs> right, right. They were at a 4-2 at the time. Yep. Actually, the Colts went no huddle. Yep. So the Eagles were just getting lined up, right. and they just had to line up. But, I mean, you know, as I said, uh, Taylor was 11 for 20 in the second half. Yep. I mean, he ran for 40, I think it was 49 yards in the first drive. Yeah. And he didn't run, run for 49 yep. yards of the game. No. Uh, they, they did yeah. an outstanding job uh, of adjusting. The The Colts went 3-for-3 three three on third down on that opening drive, and they think they went 0-for-9, I believe. Uh, or it was either 0-for-8 or 0-for-9 on their on their next nine. Well, I think they ended up, was it 5-for-15? Yeah, they hit two on that one yeah. on that one scoring drive yeah. Yeah. at the end. They had yeah. two big plays, right. uh, including that corner out to, uh, to, to Paris Pierre, Campbell. Yeah, to yeah. Campbell, yeah. right. So, and, and he, the dig to Pierce. And he hit the dig to Pierce, yeah. yeah. Those, so yeah. He had the, they had those three in the yeah. opening drive. They had two on that drive, and that and was, that was it, it. Yeah. Through, yeah. through the entire game. Yeah. Um, that was the big thing, though. I thought that there were a number of different things that uh, that the Eagles did. Look, we know Matt Ryan. They, they wanted to get the ball out fast, right? And, and that was a, a big thing. Was um, you know we saw that last week against the Raiders, and certainly that was the case here. They did, I thought, a number of things to to force the issue with him and make him hold on to the football. Without, we a talked about bit you know one of them with the sack. The, the, the sack no, but I thought Brando. they were very conscious of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's we saw some good double team coverage, yeah. some bracket coverages yeah, yeah. with Campbell and Pierce yeah. forcing yeah. to hold on to the football. Yeah. Uh, they rolled coverage a certain way to take away those quick in breakers. Yeah. That Josiah Scott PBU that went down as I was at a forced fumble ended up challenging and reviewing the play. Uh, that was 
was one where Epps rolled down right into the passing lane, uh, take away the slant, and now that forced him to get to that second read. Right, so, yeah. A lot of examples of that. <clears throat> no, and, and that's, you know, when you have 20, you know, you and I are one person. When you have 20 people, you know, yes. when you have a coaching staff, you can do all that stuff. Yeah, no, yeah. Doubt, no doubt. So uh, a lot to take away there yeah. uh, from the defense. So it was it was a fun game to watch. It was. On both uh, sides. It really was. You know, like I said, they're not all Picassos. Yep. They won the game. There's still a lot there, yep. a lot of meat there on the bone. All right, well, let's go. Uh, let's start yeah. talking about Sunday night. Uh, big one here. The yep. Green Bay Packers come to town. Uh, tough loss for them. I ended up watching all that game live on Thursday night uh, just because it was the next two teams the Eagles were playing, so uh, between Green Bay and Tennessee. So uh, a good opportunity to watch right. both of those teams. And a little bit of a slugfest, uh, you know, a little bit of a weather game as well uh, out in the frozen tundra. But um, I think when you look at Green Bay, offensively, look, this year it's been it's been a little bit of a, of a struggle at times. Right? A bit, bit of a slog this yeah, year. Yeah, they have, you know, they're missing Devontae Adams from that yep. standpoint, but they are starting to click. Christian Watson having some more big plays these last few weeks. But uh, to me, watching them, I think the best version of this 2022 Packers team is when they run the football. I, I mean, couldn't we, agree more. Yeah, we, we saw them a couple weeks ago yeah. against Dallas. Uh, Aaron, they, they ran for 200-plus. Uh, Aaron Jones, a big – I mean, he's – to me, like – I think he's one of the most underrated players in football. I think he's a top five. Well, he's probably not underrated by the coaches who actually have to prepare for the Packers. I think in terms of yeah. media coverage, right, I think right. Aaron Jones is one of the more underrated <clears throat> yeah. players in football. Uh, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, Aaron Jones, terrific player. Um, but yeah, I, you you nailed it. I mean, you couldn't have said it better about the best version of themselves. They've become really a running football team with with Jones, who can do everything, and Dylan, who's specific to what he can do, but can do that well yep. when it's blocked well. Um and despite having Aaron Rodgers, who's arguably the greatest passer we've ever seen in this league, their passing game has been very up and down for yeah. any number of reasons. You can talk about the the receivers. You can talk about the O-line. I don't think they've – have they had the same starting five O-line, Fran, in, in any game this season? I'm not sure they have. I don't believe so. I, yeah. Actually – I think the last two weeks. Uh, I believe it's been the last two, okay. right? Uh, but it's been, the point is, it's been a revolving door. Yes, it has been. It's been a mess. Right, right? it's been a mess. Guys in and out of the lineup. No and doubt. quite frankly, if you're being honest, based on tape study, I think Rodgers has missed some throws that we normally see him make. Yeah, no question. I mean, that's the thing, is that when you look at uh, the this offense, even like since LaFleur has been there, right. I mean, at their foundation, like they, they they're have a running been, football it's, team. It's a run football team, mm-hmm. and it's a really efficient system. They, right. they, they pull from right. a lot of the things that, you know, he comes from the Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay they, kind of school, yep. and that, that's what they they've been uh over at again that best version of themselves right now Rodgers has always played a little bit better and uh, you had Devontae Adams who could ma- get you he, he and Rodgers always gave you a little extra questions. because he's so gifted right obviously yep. and can make ridiculous throws yeah. either from the pocket or on the move but those throws have been lesser this year for whatever reason yep um, I mean, think of think of like when Devontae Adams there, like all the easy like smoke screens oh, the slant yeah. routes the fades like where it was just I was automatic right and not they don't have those easy buttons anymore, and right. now they, they've had to try and, to find and, ways to manufacture And them. contrary to what people think, formationally, you can always set up a one-on-one with a wide receiver. Yep, right. You, know, you, you can throw a ball. You know, I love when people, when coaches say, and, and no knock on coaches, I don't do that, but it, it just always makes me smile when I hear coaches say, well, we, you know, we didn't get him the ball because, you know, our offense wasn't working that way. You can always get a ball to a wide receiver. Right. Always. Yep. You know? Yeah, no, there's yeah. no question about that. Uh, so let me ask you this: What have you seen from the uh, th- from the rookie, Christian Watson? Last last couple of weeks, uh, the the numbers have been there. Yeah. He's been very productive. Uh, <coughs> you, know, you you and I both studied him coming out of North Dakota State. Uh, was a second round pick. They traded up for him in April. Uh, what have you seen from these last couple of weeks where he's been he's been putting numbers up on the board? 
you know, I'll tell you the one play to me that really said the most about Watson, because, friend, the bottom line is we know he can run. Right, so yep. if he runs by a corner, I and don't he's think— he's 6'4 and a half, 6'5. Like, right, right. So I think if he runs by someone, you and I don't go, wow, he ran by someone. We weren't we, shocked when he ran 4'3 in Indy. Like, no, we knew that. We knew that. fast guy, yep. Yeah. I think the play that said a lot to me about Watson was— the 39-yard touchdown he caught against Dallas two weeks ago. Yep. Do you remember the play? Yeah, sure. Because I thought he showed route nuance. Yeah, he, because stacked that. he stacked Anthony Brown. Not only Brown. did he stack Brown, but he understood the coverage, and he understood that Brown did not want him to cross his face. Mm. So he straightened his stem, yep. which got Brown to kind of think, okay, he's going vertical. Yep. Then... By also straightening his stem, not only did he get Brown, but he got the safety. It was a post safety because it was yep. cover one. Cover one yeah. He got the post safety to move over that way because the post safety is thinking, hey, he's going vertical. And then he ran across the field. So whether he did it consciously or not, it was beautiful. He did yeah. a great, great job. Yeah. And I, I thought that was really somewhat nuanced route running you know, for a, a, a rookie receiver. I, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, when we talk about these offenses from the, you know, the Shanahan tree, the big thing is putting stress on all three levels and talking about that vertically and then also stretching the defense horizontally as well. And I think when you look at this team from a uh, run game standpoint and also from a pass game standpoint, Christian Watson, he gives you that stretching ability. And when, hey, if you're going to keep that vertical play from happening, well, we've also seen plays where he's running across the 53 and a third as well, across the width of the field and running away from coverage. He's had yeah. some big plays that way as well. The big issue for him and that he has to work on, and I noticed this watching him at North Dakota State, and you know, it's I, that I, bad drops is he when he's running like let's say a dig, yeah, and the ball's out in front of him, yep. And and I've had this conversation with coaches, wide receiver coaches. I don't feel like he knows how to place his hands, yeah, because it seems like he fights those. There is a there is a technique to catching the football, no question. Yeah, and and you know. I think I've been fortunate as you have to be able to talk to coaches and understand that there is a technique. You know, yep. when people say, oh, he's got bad hands, you can teach a guy how to have better hands. Right. And I think that's one area where he needs some work. Yep. When he can use his body, like, uh, you know, to catch the ball, yep. then he can catch the ball. But, you know, I think I think there are certain balls that he can catch with his hands, but running laterally, mm. I think he struggles where to place his hands. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's where, uh, when you have that vertical element <coughs> with, with Watson, you have Lazard, right. you have Robert Tunyon, both guys, that, you know, to, to quote, you know, football say, they've got the pelts on the wall, right? right both those right. guys have been productive parts of this offense in the past. Lazard's a good football player, works the middle. Of the, his usage is almost that of like a move tight end right, uh, in right, this offense. Right. He's one of the better Was uh, he undrafted? Feed. He was undrafted uh, by Jacksonville coming out of Iowa State a few where, years where back. Where he put up huge numbers he in college. put up huge numbers in Iowa State, uh, ends up going undrafted yeah. by Jacksonville. They cut him after that first camp. He doesn't make it. Green Bay scoops yep, him up, yep. and that was that. Um, and I think when you look at Lazard, uh, just his usage in the middle of the field, that's obviously a big part of this offense. And I almost kind of equate it to the run game with them too, because uh, obviously, look, the you know, you, when you have that that stretch vertically, that's where the, the run game can be impactful. But also uh, looking at the usage of Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Jones, they love on those. They, they do right. a ton with those like G schemes, those sweeps, those counter tosses, yep. uh, all those perimeter plays with Aaron Jones. <clears throat> and then they are willing to say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna soften you up, soften you up, perimeter run, perimeter run." Now we're going downhill. And, and Jones thing, can go downhill, but then A.J. Dillon right. as well. And, and the thing about Lazard is, obviously he's not a burner, but yeah. you know he's long, and he does get on top of corners every once in a while. Right. 
you know, not not on fifty yard. You know, he's yeah. not gonna he's not gonna outrun you over distance. But like he caught the fade this week against. I, I realize it was a, a backup corner. I believe it was Avery yeah. for uh, for Tennessee. Yep. But I mean, every once in a while, he just gets a, enough on top of you. And Rodgers, I mean, he's made a couple of ridiculously good throws to Lazard mm. on on sideline fade balls that yeah. have just been. I mean, literally, you couldn't hand it to him any better. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing though is that remembering like yeah, not only did they lose Devontae Adams, but they also lost Marquez Valdez Scantling, who yep. who had that role in that offense previously. Yep, yep. Uh, so there's familiarity lost there as well. And so uh, as this team trying to kind of tries to figure that out, um, you know, there, there have been a lot of bumps along the way, and the injuries have not helped. Lazard has missed time. No. Uh, you had a couple rookies there. They had Romeo Dubs in there. He's been hurt now the last couple of weeks. Right. So uh, they're still you know, really They're still figuring along. it out, unfortunately, and it's, it's cost them games. Yeah, but... Now what we've seen these last couple of weeks, I know like last week you know, it was a weird right. kind of game just against Tennessee, but what they did against that Dallas defense, you have to take note of that if you're the Eagles going into this game. And, and look, it's Sunday night football, and Rodgers is a prideful guy, and you know he's not been at his best. He even admitted after last week's game that he didn't play well. And Honestly, I don't even care like how bad they play. I don't feel comfortable going into a game against Aaron Rodgers. No, right? I like, think you, don't I, feel, you can't no. feel comfortable. No, uh, and, and I think in any given game he can be great. Yeah, that's, that, that's yeah. the problem you face uh, when you go up against a team uh, like that. I think I think that probably covers it from from the offensive yeah. side of the yeah. football. Uh, defensively, you know, it's tough because you know this is a unit that's been a little bit up and down this year. Um, they've struggled to create as many big plays. And now the injuries have just started to pile up. Too, you know, and that's been the problem. I'll tell you what's really stood out to me, and 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 I don't know, I don't have an answer for this. So I'm just going to say, obviously they did a really good job with run defense last week against Derrick Henry. Yep. I think Henry had 28 for 87. Yep. Um, but prior to that, they'd not been very good defending the run. And I guess the point I'm trying to make is. I think they have good players. So I, I, I guess I, I, I struggle when I watch the tape, and I'm sure there's a reason, and maybe somebody has an answer that I don't have. I, I struggle to figure out why the good players don't lead to better production mm. stopping the run. Right. Because if you would just talk about the players they put in their defensive front, you'd say those guys are pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, and I, that's the thing is like in uh, small samples, we've yeah, seen them yeah. play really well. I mean, they shut Derrick Henry down and said, you know, we're going to make the Titans right. one-dimensional. We're going to force Ryan Tannehill to beat us with his arm. And, and, and Tannehill he, made a few good throws. He, he happened yeah. to beat them with his arm <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. In, in that game <laughs> yeah. uh, in the snow. But uh, I think that that's the thing is that when you see – it's what's the uh, the saying that uh, the hole is not better than the sum of the parts, yeah. right? Uh, that has been kind of what we've seen at times with this team. But again – Injuries have played a part as well. You know, Rashawn Gary just went on injury reserve. Devondre Campbell. Devondre Campbell has been out for most of the season. Uh, they just put Eric Stokes on injury reserve. He's done. They're now playing Darnell Savage as their slot corner. He's a starting safety. He's in the slot. Right. Rasul Douglas was the slot. Right. Now he's outside. Right. So there's there's moving. Rudy Ford here. is now their their nickel safety yeah, because a former yeah, Eagles yeah, starting yeah, yeah. in the secondary. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so that that has made things a little bit more difficult as well. No question. Um, so, but it's just their defense has been a little bit of a, a of a dilemma for me yeah. because I feel like you know that their players are better. But I think Quay Walker, the rookie from Georgia, has played well. Yeah. I don't know what you think. I no, think he's played I think he, well. Yeah, he, he hasn't been perfect. But no, uh, that's, well, that's you wouldn't expect yeah. you that's wouldn't expect him to play right, as a rookie. Right. And he's he's done some good things for them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's big. He is long. Uh, he is really rangy. Yep. Uh, the, the highlights are really really good, impressive. Good. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's had some, he's had some minus plays in there as well. I, I think to me. When you look at it, there are left right now in terms of who's playing. There are two guys that you would qualify as like you know really good starters in the NFL. Kenny, Kenny Clark, Clark is outstanding. Yeah. Uh, number ninety-seven nose tackle. Yep. Uh, 
changes the line of scrimmage consistently. It's crazy that he's in his seventh year in the NFL. I remember watching him coming out of UCLA. He was a 20-year-old rookie. That's I know, I know. Like you have those young guys that hit. Like, I know. Uh, they just bring so much value. This guy's going to be on his fourth contract. He's going to be hitting 30. Um, but I, th- I think when you look at Kenny Clark, uh, changes the line of scrimmage consistently in the run game. He still has the ability to be disruptive as a pass rusher as well. So you have Kenny Clark. Uh, they've got a couple other guys that are nice pieces up front. Jaron Reed, they signed a free agency. Preston Smith. Well, that's my point. Dean yeah. Lowry's not a bad player either. Right. If you just look at the individuals, yep. they they they're not bad players. Yeah. I mean, Clark's the best of them. Clark's the best player. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and Preston Smith, he had a little bit of a down year last yeah. year, but he's playing a little bit better yeah. here this yeah. year. Uh, they are going to miss Rashawn Gary, but um, this is a team that they, they love to line up, much like the Eagles, in those five man fronts. Yeah. And very often, probably more so than any team in the NFL. They just rush with those five, and that's right. why like those blitz numbers are very highly inflated. Which but are, it's, th- it's th- not those a, are not blitzes. Yes, those are not blitzes. A lot yeah. of people would say yeah. no. Um, it's say that those are not blitzes. I would bet teams that they play don't characterize those right. as blitzes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what that, that is what you get uh, from the season. You're going to get uh, to me like when I look at a lot of their pressure schemes. You know, if you do right. count those or you don't, everything is predicated on hey, we're going to create one on ones across right. the board right. and try right. and let our guys win, which is good when right. you got. Rashawn Gary and and uh, no question, and, you know all these guys yeah. that are healthy. You know they they just got they had to get rid of um, Zadarius Smith this off season. Right. So like that that worked from the past. They don't have Zadarius Smith now. They don't have Rashawn Gary right now, uh, and that's what the where they're Gary was that. having a really good season. He was yes. Yeah. Uh, and so that that it certainly has hurt them yeah. um, from that standpoint. Now, uh, on the back end, we talk about Quay Walker at linebacker. Shair Alexander is the other player that you would say, yeah, like this is a guy from a from and a he's name been a little up and down this year. A little bit up and down. He plays a little bit fast and loose with his technique, right, I think, right. a little bit. Yep. Uh, he will bait throws. Now, that could be there's double-edged sword there. The, he can create some big plays. He can give up some plays as well. Right. I think he does have that kind of shadow capability as a corner. He does. He they, does. They don't often do that. They're, they're and at his best, teams he, do, he's, a, he's, he's an attitude guy, a swagger guy. No question. That he brings that to your he defense. brings that edge to the defense. Yep. You know, and I think having to move Savage to slot has hurt them because, um, you know, I think in, in years past you could say that Amos and Savage were two really it's a fine starting tandem. Two, yeah, a really good tandem, and yeah. obviously you're losing that now. Yeah, and that's uh, that has been uh, an issue. Now, uh, Rudy Ford came in, and had two picks that first game uh, against the Cowboys. You would question the uh, the route discipline there uh, in the middle of the field. Well, from, I thought one of them was game. actually on Lamb, but that was just my yeah, opinion. That's how I, the I tape. agree. Guys, I agree with you. You can't let him cross your face like that. Yep. Yet. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's kind of the issue with this Green Bay defense. So, look, there, there's going to be plays to be made. Uh, but, they, you know, but again, they still have good play. You know, that's yes. the thing. They've got some good players. On any given right. any given throw, a, a drop back, like Jair Alexander is capable of creating a big play. No question. Yep. No question. And they can theoretically still rush the quarterback yeah. with the players they have. Yeah, they've had some good blitzes with yeah. Clay Walker getting home right. on sacks, uh, inserting it, and that, right. that can be an issue. I mean, he's... He's a load. If you're a running back, one-on-one pass pro, like that's 6'3", 240 pounds no coming question. at you with 4'4 four, four speed. Yeah. Like, that's an issue. Yeah. I thought he was the best linebacker prospect at Georgia last year, I, just, you know, the size and the movement. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, they were drafted that way. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. that's a fair statement to say. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, plenty. there'll be plenty to talk about. This will be a fun game to, uh, to break down on and, Sunday. You know, obviously we're hoping the Eagles win, but it wouldn't surprise me if this is a really competitive game. I, I just I have that feeling, yeah. you know, going as we talk on a Monday night. Yep. After they just beat the Colts, it wouldn't surprise me if this turns out to be a competitive game. Yeah, I would expect this to be a competitive yeah, game yeah. on Sunday, and yeah. it'll be a fun one to break down yeah. on Monday morning. Maybe not as fun as this one. But we'll, well see if you have uh, how many pages of notes you got over there. Four, way five, too many. Six. I, I, t- I it took me way too long, friend. We'll, we'll see because uh, we'll, people might not know that I have to do this for a lot of teams, right? Not just for the Eagles. How, how many more pages of notes you got for the other thirty-one over there? Uh, well, I haven't done them all. It's, <laughs> it's only Monday night. You know, give, give me a break here. You know, well, we'll I don't we'll, have a staff here of twenty. You yeah, know, right? Well, we'll see. Uh, 
uh, we'll see if the Eagles can match that uh, next right, Monday right. morning. Well, Greg, uh, thanks so much for joining us here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. And we will talk to you next week for Chalk Talk. Thanks, Trent. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. Great stuff from Greg, who you can follow on Twitter, just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at EaglesXOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's Nose content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show. But the best way is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. Leave us a question. I want to give a shout-out today to someone who did exactly that. Weiss Later left a five-star review with a question saying, and this was, this was a question that was left uh, before the signings, I believe, of Linval Joseph and Ndamukin Sue. So we have obviously some context here, but I did feel like it was still a topical question. So let's get into the question. It appears that uh, when other teams go to a heavy personnel, we are maintaining, the Eagles are maintaining a 5-2 front that, without Jordan Davis, has had trouble stopping the run. Is there any possibility of going with three stacked backers and a four-man front to combat this? Can Hassan Reddick play the will? Can N'Kobe Dean sub in? So, uh, later, good question. And it's something that we touched on a little bit with Greg is how the Eagles have diversified this front uh, you know, a little bit and they've done a nice job of mixing things up and it showed up honestly even going back to week two I remember Monday Night Football against the uh, Minnesota Vikings in week two of this season the Eagles coming out early on in that game where it was their quote-unquote uh, base you know like that four down front where it was two defensive ends Reddick and Sweat and two defensive tackles in Cox and with uh, Javon Hargrave and instead of Kaiser White being off the ball he was lined up on the edge and they lined up as if it was that bare front, but it was out of that personnel. And so I think that what you're ultimately what you're looking at, and this is something we talked about uh, a few weeks back going into the bye week when we had Deontay Lee from The Athletic on, is that when you line up in that front, not to, not that personnel package, but in that front where you've got uh, a nose tackle head up on the, on the center, you've got a pair of three techniques, you've got those two overhang defenders, and you've got a stacked linebacker, that really can help you from a run defense standpoint because you're playing with a multitude of techniques. You've got some guys that are two-gapping, some guys guys that are one gapping that can help you from a coverage standpoint as well in terms of being able to still play shell coverage on the backside with two high safeties. Now, if you are going to play with a straight four down front, which we've come to expect from the Eagles for years and years and years before this new scheme, right? When you play with that four down front, there is a little bit more flexibility, but you might, since you were playing straight one gap, that means now that you have to have more bodies inserting into the run fit, right? Because you don't have someone that is occupying multiple gaps and the number of gaps don't change play to play. You still have to be able to occupy all of these gaps. So you might need your safety or your nickel corner to have a priority in the C gap or in the D gap on any given formation. So I think ultimately going to your question in terms of, you know, can the Eagles uh, stop the run out of a 5-2 front if Jordan Davis isn't on the field? That part of it we've talked about. You add in Linval Joseph to play in the nose. He did a great job in week one against the Indianapolis Colts. And Don King Sue comes in and he rotates as that defensive end playing over the the uh, the, the, the guard in those, uh, those bare fronts. He can line up as a three technique in those four down fronts as well. Um, but I think the Eagles being able to mix up some of those personnel groups uh, and then off of that mix up some of the fronts out of those personnel groups, that now keeps offenses guessing. You don't know, hey, if uh, if Linval Joseph slash Jordan Davis is out there on the field, it is definitely going to be this five-man front. Or more importantly, if those guys are on the sideline, you know what front you're going to get. The Eagles have been mixing that up, and so you don't necessarily know when the Eagles come out with that base nickel group of four, line, or four defense 
defensive linemen, two linebackers, five DBs. Oh, this is the front they're going to play, guys. We know this is the run we're going to call. No, now the Eagles are mixing things up. We've seen that, again, going back to week two against Minnesota, their willingness to mix that up and keep offenses guessing from that standpoint. So, Weisselator, I hope that answers your question. Really good stuff there. Appreciate you leaving that over on our Apple Podcast page. Uh, thanks to him and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you later this week.